Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, welcome to the New Books in Jewish Studies podcast. I'm your host, Ari Barbalat. Today, it is my hallowed honor to be in dialogue with Dr. Ra'anan Rain. We'll be discussing his recently published book, Populism and Ethnicity, Peronism and the Jews of Argentina, published in Kingston and Montreal by McGill-Queens University Press 2020. Dr. Ra'anan Rain is the Elias Soraski Chair of Latin American and Spanish History at Tel Aviv University. He is the former president of the Latin American Jewish Studies Association and former vice president of Tel Aviv University. Ra'anan is the author of numerous books and articles. The Argentine government awarded him the title of Commander in the Order of the Liberator San Martin for his contribution to Argentine culture. The Spanish king awarded him the title of commander in the order of the civil merit. Ra'anan, it's an honor to be with you. It is my pleasure, Ali. To begin, please tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? What formative events in your life catalyzed the scholar you would become as an adult? I was born in Israel, and my family has been living here in Jewish Palestine and later Israel since the 1880s. So uh, Hebrew was the only language uh, spoken uh, at home. And uh, I grew up in a suburb of uh, uh, Tel Aviv, where I completed my uh, elementary school and uh, uh, high school. And uh, I, when I had to uh, perform my uh, military service, I served as the foreign news editor of the army radio station uh, and later on uh, as i started studying in college i was the foreign news editor of a daily newspaper which does not exist anymore at any rate i strongly believe that my experience as a journalist before becoming a academic um, has had an important uh, impact on my uh, career unlike uh, some of my colleagues uh, I enjoy writing. It's not a nightmare, quote-unquote, uh, 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 for me. And I uh, know what it means to meet uh, deadlines. Uh, and therefore, I'm uh, rather productive in my uh, scholarly uh, uh, work. Uh, this combination of being uh, a former journalist and uh, 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 an academic uh, certainly uh, helps me. What inspired you to write this book? What message do you hope to convey to reader? Well, I've been working on Argentine history uh, for a long time now. Uh, and uh, along the years, people kept asking me questions like, uh, was Juan Perón a, a fascist leader? Uh, is the uh, Peronist movement uh, anti-Semitic? How come so many uh, Nazi war criminals arrived in Argentina following the end of uh, World War II? Uh, 
And although I was working on other aspects of this uh, populist uh, movement, like uh, the uh, uh, foreign policies of Argentina during the, the uh, Peron regime, or the use and abuse of uh, the educational system or of sports for political purposes by the uh, Peronist uh, regime, uh, at one point I felt that I had to, quote-unquote, uh, uh, respond to these uh, questions, uh, address uh, these uh, uh, issues. And this is how my journey uh, around uh, this topic of the attitudes of Peron and the Peronist movement towards Jews and vice versa, how Jews viewed uh, the uh, Peronist uh, uh, party or the Peronist movement uh, uh, started. And in this book, I try to uh, challenge some of the uh, commonly held notions about uh, Argentina, uh, about uh, uh, the Peronist movement, which is still alive. I mean, uh, it has gone through very many changes and transformation, but uh, it is still a main political uh, force in uh, uh, Argentina. And questions about uh, uh, Peron himself and his views, his attitudes uh, towards uh, Jews and the Jewish state uh, Israel. What inspired you to write this book? What message do you hope to convey to readers? The book is a product of my constant uh, uh, efforts to better understand Argentina as an immigrant society. Um, it's part of my interest in the ways Jews or Jewish immigrants have uh, integrated themselves into a host society, in this case, uh, uh, Argentina. Uh, and uh, the message uh, that I would like uh, to convey uh, with this book has to do with um, multiculturalism, with the uh, elaboration of hybrid identities, um, uh, it has to do uh, with the need to understand that the melting pot ideas of immigrant societies uh, from the late 19th century onward um, is in a way in, uh, applicable to most societies. Uh, individuals and social groups have uh, multiple elements in their identities. Uh, some of them uh, uh, have to do with their country of origin, with their religion, with their uh, culture, uh, and uh, there's no way to require that they leave behind everything they brought with them from their country of origin to the host country, be it Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, the US, or Canada. What are the primary themes in your book? What story does your book tell? The book tells, in a way, two stories. One has to do with the history of this uh, populist movement in Argentina, uh, the Peronist mo uh, movement. People keep talking about populism constantly when they refer to contemporary uh, politics. But if we look at Latin America, especially during the second half of the 20th century, uh, we have to refer to an inclusive uh, uh, populism. And uh, 
probably the Peronist movement is the prime example of this kind of uh, uh, populism, which tried to incorporate into the political system, into economic and social uh, life, different social and ethnic groups that remained uh, on the margins until uh, the Peronist uh, 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 movement came to power. Uh, so it's a story about a very heterogeneous political movement uh, in which there was space practically for for almost everyone, uh, not for uh, radical uh, revolutionaries, for example, uh, not for uh, very wealthy uh, landowners, but otherwise to most other uh, social and ethnic uh, uh, groups. And the um, second story has to do with the uh, remarkable integration of Jews into Argentine society. Many people have this image of Argentina as an anti-Semitic society. But if one looks at the speedy way in which Jewish Argentine uh, became integrated into social life, economic life, cultural life in Argentina in general and in Buenos Aires in particular, it's, it's an amazing story. Uh, when one looks, for example, at the 1930s, uh, a time of rising uh, uh, fascism and anti-Semitism in Europe, but also uh, uh, in North America, uh, anti-Semitic attitudes were very common in the 1930s. At this very time, the city of Buenos Aires uh, selects uh, its uh, a beauty queen, and it's a Jewish Argentine. A, a, a Jewish Argentine author uh, is awarded a, a prize by a, a committee headed uh, by a very known uh, nationalist and Catholic uh, 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 figure. Uh, there are Jewish professors in Argentine uh, universities when in very many elite universities in North America, uh, Jews were not very welcome. So it's a story that most people are not aware of. Uh, somehow uh, they have this uh, idea that Jewish life in Argentina was a kind of a constant nightmare because of anti-Semitism, because of extreme right-wing uh, organizations uh, and the like. So the book tries to offer a different perspective. Uh, uh, and this is uh, uh, the second story that I tell. What is your book's contribution to Argentine social history? I think that uh, the fact that I was originally trained as a historian of Latin America and not as a Jewish historian allows me to uh, better integrate the Jewish story into uh, Argentine history uh, in general. So more specifically, if I discuss in the book uh, the Peronist movement and its impact on different aspects of life uh, in Argentina during the 1940s and the 1950s, by discussing uh, the fate of Jews in these years, I'm able to offer 
a new perspective on this inclusive populism of the uh, Peronist uh, uh, movement. At the same time, I can highlight the very heterogeneous nature of this movement, movement which included uh, Catholics and nationalists, socialists, uh, Trotskites, uh, social democrats, uh, uh, etc. Peronism has always been, uh, 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 was always characterized by its uh, uh, very heterogeneous uh, nature, by this, uh, if you'd like, polyphony of uh, voices. Who was Rabbi Amram Bloom? Uh, there were more than a few Jews uh, who uh, collaborated with the Peronist government and with Peron himself. And Rabbi Amram Bloom, became a kind of a spiritual advisor to a, a Peron. He enjoyed a special status uh, and uh, was very respected by both uh, President Peron and his wife, uh, Eva Duarte de Peron. And uh, this became a kind of a symbol for a Jewish Peronist collaboration. Obviously, the opposition to the Peronist government uh, was very upset about this kind of uh, uh, collaboration. Nowadays, people try to make a kind of a comparison between the interest of uh, 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 the current Argentine president, Javier Milei, in Jews and Judaism, with the fact that Peron had his Jewish advisor uh, as well. So I don't think that this comparison is valid, but it is interesting to point that Jews have uh, enjoyed a, a special place in Argentine politics, at least since uh, the mid-40s and the rise of Peron to uh, uh, power. And Rabbi Amber Bloom certainly uh, used this special position that he had in order to promote Jewish collective uh, uh, interests in very many ways, from assuring that Jewish soldiers would be uh, able to uh, take a rest during uh, Jewish holidays, for example, uh, and up to uh, uh, allowing a, a, a cultural slaughter of uh, animals uh, for Jewish uh, consumption. Um, but uh, once Peron was deposed from power, uh, and the organized Jewish community made an effort to erase from collective memory this Jewish-Peronist collaboration, obviously Rabbi Amram Bloom had to leave Argentina and he uh, lived the rest of his, of his life uh, in the U.S. How did Argentine Jews more broadly perceive the Peronist regime? How did the Peronist regime perceive Argentine Jews? Well, originally... Many Jews feared uh, that uh, the new president uh, might take uh, anti-Jewish or anti-Semitic uh, measures. Uh, Peron came to power a very short time after the end of World War II when news and stories started to spread about the uh, magnitude of the Holocaust. And the fact that a, a charismatic 
military officer uh, who uh, had mobilized support among nationalists uh, and right-wing uh, 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 Catholics, uh, uh, the fact that he might become president certainly provoked much fear among uh, very many uh, 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 Jews. Uh, one has to take into account the fact that uh, Argentina uh, kept its neutrality during World War II, and uh, many uh, military officers were considered pro-German, if not pro-Nazis, uh, uh, and therefore there was much concern among uh, Jewish, Jewish leaders. At the same time, uh, Jews among the uh, working class did support Peron from the very first day. Uh, they well understood that the new president would try to improve uh, the situation of the uh, Argentine working class in general, and they, as workers, uh, would benefit from this uh, as well. Again, the common image is that all Jews in Argentina are middle class and upper middle class. But in the 1940s, there were still there were still very many uh, Jewish workers uh, who belonged to the uh, working class, and uh, they put social class interests before any uh, ethnic or religious uh, uh, concerns and supported Peron. At any rate, very soon after he uh, came to power, Peron made it clear that he would not support any anti-Semitic uh, uh, measures. In fact, during the years 1946 to 1945, there were less anti-Semitic incidents in Argentina than in any other decade uh, previously, or in the following years uh, up to the uh, late uh, 20th uh, uh, century. So gradually, the number of Jews who supported Peronism from, uh, for one reason or another is certainly a goal. Uh, in fact, even one of the presidents of the uh, organized the uh, organized Jewish community became uh, a party member. The Peronist movement also created a kind of a Jewish section uh, and in which uh, uh, thousands of Jews uh, participated in uh, different uh, uh, activities. The leader of this uh, Jewish section became the first Argentine ambassador to uh, Israel. Uh, Argentina did not support the November 1947 uh, partition plan adopted by the uh, United Nations, but once the state of Israel was established, uh, it recognized Israel, and it was the uh, first Latin American country to uh, establish an embassy uh, 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 in Israel. Still, there were many uh, Jews who opposed uh, uh, Peronism, uh, either because they uh, belonged to opposition parties or because they, their uh, social uh, interests uh, uh, went against uh, uh, Peronist uh, uh, policies. Uh, uh, at any rate, as I said earlier, once Peron was deposed for power, there was a systematic effort on the part of the uh, organized community to erase from collective memory any Jewish support 
to uh, Peron and the Peronist uh, government. As to uh, Peron's attitude towards the Jews, there's no doubt that he, like very many others, believed that Jews had an enormous power, uh, uh, especially in the U.S. And since uh, Peron was very much interested in improving the relations between Argentina and the U.S., he strongly believed that by cultivating good relations with Jewish Argentines and with the recently established Jewish state might work in his favor. So anti-Semites and philo-Semites as well were prisoners of this idea about Jewish power, especially in the U.S. So there was an opportunistic aspect uh, to his policies uh, towards uh, Jewish Argentines, but if one looks at Peronist policies towards towards other immigrant communities and towards other ethnic communities, it becomes clear that it wasn't only opportunism which drove Peron to uh, make a large number of gestures towards Jewish Argentines and towards uh, the Jewish state. Who was Jose Bear Gelbard? Why is he significant? He is important because uh, his trajectory allows us to see how Jewish entrepreneurs uh, uh, became uh, closer to Peronism and the Peronist uh, movement. Uh, Peronism uh, put an emphasis on the domestic market. Uh, traditionally, Argentina uh, put its emphasis on the agricultural sector and its exports to the uh, world market. And the Peronism tried to uh, encourage the uh, local industry and supply local demands for uh, the product. Uh, and uh, Helbert was one of these a Jewish uh, a businessman, one of these Jewish entrepreneurs uh, who uh, targeted the local market and therefore benefited from the new economic policies of uh, uh, Peronism. He wasn't a Peronist himself, but he shared the same vision uh, as to uh, the need to redistribute the national pie uh, in a slightly uh, less distorted way, uh, in a way that uh, would benefit uh, the working class and which would allow workers to buy uh, locally made uh, uh, products. Um, so uh, uh, there were Jewish workers who supported uh, Peronism, there were Jewish intellectuals who supported uh, uh, Peronism, but there were also Jewish businessmen like Helbad who uh, 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 supported the Peronist uh, uh, project. Uh, what's interesting uh, about Helbar is also the fact that he kept his ties uh, with Peron and the Peronist uh, uh, movement even after Peron was ousted from power. And when Peron returned to Argentina after 18 years of exile and was re-elected for the third time in 1973, uh, he named 
Helbert as his uh, uh, economy uh, minister. He allowed Helbert to elaborate the new uh, economic policy of his uh, of his uh, government. So it also uh, Helbert's uh, story also allows us to see how ties between Jewish Argentines and Peronism were maintained along uh, very many years, from the 1940s to the 1970s. How can the history of Juan Perón's Argentina advance discussions regarding fascism? How can the memory of Juan Perón's Argentina contribute to political and historical debates about populism? Already during the uh, presidential campaign uh, of uh, late 1945, and early 1946, uh, Peron was accused by the opposition as being a Nazi fascist or a, a one who advanced a Creole fascism, that is a local version of a, a fascism. Um, in part, it had to do with the uh, common rhetoric of the 1930s and 1940s when uh, the main political debate was between uh, fascism and uh, uh, democracy. So in, in late 1945, they still used the same uh, rhetoric. And there was probably no better way to stain the image of a, a politician but accusing him of being a, a fascist. Peron had spent some time in fascist Italy as a military attaché uh, before uh, uh, the outbreak of uh, World War II, uh, he was impressed by uh, several policies of uh, Benito Mussolini, but at the same time, he was smart enough to understand in 1945 and following the defeat of the Axis powers that there was no way to even try to establish a fascist regime uh, practically anywhere, and surely not in uh, 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 Argentina. And along the years, he kept saying that he borrowed from different uh, political ideologies and political regimes. Uh, he certainly uh, viewed in a positive way, certain aspects of uh, uh, fascism, but he obeyed uh, certain democratic rules. Uh, he uh, avoided, in any possible way, adopting uh, uh, policies uh, which might seem uh, uh, fascist. There are scholars who uh, insist that there's no sense in trying to impose concepts which were coined in Europe, in this case in interwar Europe, on a Latin American reality. That by using concepts and terms like fascist and fascism, we don't get any closer to a better understanding of Latin American politics or Argentine politics in the 1940s, 50s, or uh, 60s. 
there were certainly authoritarian trends in uh, Peru's uh, policies. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, he kept going to uh, elections uh, and tried to get to gain popular vote time and again. In February 1946, it was uh, 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 the first. Uh, 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 presidential elections, and he won in uh, free and fair uh, elections. And then in 1948, uh, uh, he went again to uh, midterm elections, and then he went again to elections for a constituent assembly to uh, 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 establish a new uh, constitution for Argentina, and then again in 1941, and then again in 1954, fascist Italy did not go to uh, elections. I mean, Mussolini came to power in a non-democratic uh, way, and once he was in power, he never considered the possibility of uh, organizing uh, uh, elections. And there wasn't much political viol violence in uh, uh, Peru's Argentina, unlike in uh, precious uh, uh, Italy. Uh, uh, Congress continued to uh, function. There was uh, some representation for uh, opposition uh, parties. It's true there were uh, limitations on their activities, but uh, uh, it wasn't a totalitarian state, that's, uh, uh, that's for sure. Uh, so the comparisons with fascism seem uh, uh, very problematic, to say, to say uh, 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 the least. Uh, in the case of populism, yes, it seems that this concept is, is more relevant uh, uh, to uh, Peronism and to our understanding of uh, Peronism. At the same time, uh, populism is a very vague concept, uh, and uh, uh, we had different populist movements in different uh, countries, in different uh, time periods, we had the Russian populists of the late uh, 19th century. We had a populist party in the U.S. in the 1890s. Uh, uh, during the 1920s to the 1960s, we saw very many populist leaders in uh, Latin America. Nowadays, we talk about right-wing populist leaders in Western Europe and in the United States. So it's extremely important that when one discusses a, a populism, he or she make it clear to the readers what they what do they mean when they say a, a populism. In the case of uh, Latin America, uh, in the 1920s and the 19 to the 1960s, uh, when we say populism, we refer to a, a statist movement in the sense that a movement that gives the state responsibility and authority to manage social and economic uh, life. It does not mean a challenge to uh, uh, capitalism. It, we are not talking about revolutionary uh, movements, but uh, uh, certainly uh, movements that give the state much responsibility as a kind of uh, referee uh, among different uh, sectors, among uh, uh, different social uh, uh, classes. Uh, it's, uh, 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 we're talking about 
movements which are of an uh, inclusive nature, as I said uh, uh, previously. We are talking about um, uh, movements which are anti-imperialist or anti-colonialist, uh, especially as far as uh, the relations with the UK and the US. Uh, certainly all these movements are led by charismatic leaders, and certainly all these movements were characterized, were characterized by a, a, a growing uh, authoritarianism. But it's not a, 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 any of these movements is not a, an anti-immigrant or anti-foreigner a, a movement. It's not uh, characterized by racism, uh, xenophobia, or uh, anti-Semitism. Uh, on the on the contrary, I would say. Can you comment on the relationship between Francisco Franco of Spain and Juan Perón? Can you describe the evolution and development of their relationship? Uh, the relations between Argentina and Spain in the immediate post-World War II period uh, were certainly a, a special. Uh, at the end of World War II, the uh, Franco regime in Spain was bolstered by most countries, both uh, uh, Western countries and Eastern uh, countries. After all, Franco came to power uh, in the mid-1930s with the help of Nazi Germany and fascist uh, uh, Italy, uh, the two countries, the two regimes that were just now in the mid 40s uh, defeated by the uh, uh, Allies, uh, and therefore it seemed like you know a remain of the uh, 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 fascist and Nazi uh, uh, world, which came to an end. Um, so. Spain was desperately looking for friends and allies during the second half of the 1940s. And at the same time, Argentina found itself in an awkward uh, situation. Due to its neutrality in World War II, it had to face a hostile uh, American uh, uh, attitude. And when uh, the U.S. started uh, it's uh, a Marshall plan in order to uh, extend a helping hand to uh, uh, Western European uh, uh, countries and in this way avoid the uh, um, strengthening of communist uh, parties in, in these countries. It made it clear that Argentina would not be able to export its agricultural products to Western uh, uh, Europe. So Argentina found itself uh, in a peculiar situation. It had an enormous surplus of uh, uh, agricultural products, but the number of markets opened uh, 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 to it was very uh, small. Spain was also excluded from the Marshall, uh, Marshall Plan. Uh, uh, American help was extended to uh, the UK, uh, France, uh, uh, Holland, uh, and other uh, European countries, but Spain was left out. So 
in a way, the two countries were pushed uh, uh, one uh, to the other uh, because of uh, necessities. Were there uh, political and ideological similarities between the two regimes? So were a few, but not too many. Uh, Franco came to power uh, through a bloody uh, civil war. Peron was democratically elected uh, in early 1946. Uh, Franco based his regime on the traditional elites and the uh, Catholic Church, as well as the armed forces, while Peron was supported by a coalition in which the working class was uh, the backbone of, 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 of the movement. Um, uh, the two were military leaders, military officers, that's two, uh, and uh, uh, the two were looking uh, uh, for ways to gain legitimacy uh, for their uh, uh, power. So some similarities, yes, but not uh, uh, too many. And on the personal level, they certainly disliked each other. Uh, when Peroni was ousted from uh, power, uh, several of his uh, political allies tried to convince, convince the Spanish dictator to allow uh, Peron to come to Spain. And at first, Franco said no. So Peron was looking for refuge in uh, a number of Latin American countries. It was only in 1960 that Franco allowed him to arrive in uh, Spain. During all the years of his exile in Spain, almost, and almost until the last moment, Franco never bothered to meet uh, uh, Peron or to uh, spend time with uh, Peron. It was only when it became clear that Peron was about to return to Argentina and to political power that Franco uh, met uh, with him. So it was a very complicated uh, relationship. Still, uh, there's no doubt that uh, Argentine support, economic support, political support, diplomatic support, um, played an extremely important role in uh, making sure that uh, the Franco dictatorship can survive this transition period from World War II to the Cold War. Because in the early 50s, it was clear that the U.S. wanted Spain as an ally in this anti-communist uh, coalition uh, uh, in Europe. So uh, 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 in the 50s, Franco could count on American support. But during the, the second half of the 1940s, it was only uh, thanks to Argentine support that uh, uh, Franco and his regime could uh, uh, could survive. Who was Jaime Yankelevich? Why is he significant? Jaime Yankelevich was a Jewish entrepreneur in the telecommunication uh, industry. Uh, he was uh, the owner of uh, radio stations. He was the one to start Argentine television in 1951, in October uh, 1951. But he was also the one to give Eva Duarte 
later to be known as Eva Peron or Evita, uh, the stage to become a kind of a star of um, radio programs or of uh, um, what we call radio novellas or novels. Uh, this is the uh, time before television and before Argentine telenovelas became so popular around around the world. So, Yankelevich uh, 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 knew Eva Duarte even before Peron became to uh, uh, know her. And he uh, accompanied the uh, Peronist enterprise uh, almost from its very first uh, day. Uh, it's no coincidence that the first time that uh, uh, Argentine TV started its uh, broadcast, it was during a Peronist event on uh, 17 October uh, 1951. So it was a kind of a gesture towards uh, the Peronist movement and uh, Peron and Evita. Um, and he was like Prelbard and others, uh, he was one of the Jewish uh, businessmen to profit and benefit from Peronist uh, 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 policies, and he remained, lo remained loyal to uh, uh, Peronism. Uh, uh, it also uh, uh, shows us that in the show business world, among uh, uh, intellectuals, there were more than a few that did support Peron and uh, Peronism, although at the same time there were many others, many other Jewish Argentines who opposed uh, Peronism at the time. Who was Alberto Gertrunov? Can you tell us about him? Alberto Gertrunov was probably one of the most important Jewish authors and Jewish intellectuals in 20th century uh, uh, Argentina. He is the one to uh, make known the uh, history of Jewish agricultural colonies in uh, Argentina, because the among the first immigrants to uh, uh, first Jewish immigrants to Argentina, uh, uh, among the pioneers of uh, the Jewish community in Argentina. Uh, 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 were hundreds of Jewish settlers of agricultural uh, uh, colonies. It was part of a, a project promoted by Peron Hirsch, uh, not just in Argentina, in other countries uh, as well in the uh, Americas, hoping in this way to solve, quote, unquote, uh, the Jewish problem in Eastern uh, uh, Europe. Uh, Gertrunov started uh, publishing uh, these uh, stories of uh, uh, Jewish settlers in the uh, colonies uh, in the most important Argentine daily, uh, La Nación, the newspaper of the Argentine oligarchy or Argentine uh, elites, uh, and his a, a collective a, a work in the form of a volume titled uh, the uh, uh, 
the Jewish gauchos of uh, uh, Argentina, he uh, helped integrate Jews and Jewish identity into Argentine society and Argentine uh, identity. His work uh, was uh, studied by uh, Argentine uh, uh, students, pupils in in high school, uh, not necessarily in Jewish schools, but in each and every Argentine school in uh, uh, Argentina. So he was probably the best ambassador, uh, quote unquote, of uh, Jews in the realm of Argentine uh, culture uh, during the 1910s, uh, 20s, 30s, and uh, uh, 40s. Uh, Gertrunov uh, was uh, 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 a Zionist. He certainly supported the uh, uh, Jewish enterprise in Palestine, uh, the uh, project of establishing a, a, a Jewish sovereign state. Uh, in uh, uh, Palestine. So if we think about the first half of uh, the 20th century, before the rise to power of Juan Peron, uh, Gertrunov was probably the most important uh, Jewish Argentine author, uh, the most important uh, Jewish Argentine uh, intellectual. Can you tell us about the Nazi war criminals who entered Argentina who were they? How did they get inside? At the end of uh, World War II, uh, many Nazis, many Nazi supporters, uh, many people who held official uh, uh, positions within the Third Reich uh, were looking uh, for ways to get out of Europe and, if possible, as far as possible from their scenes of crime, quote unquote. Um, so uh, many Nazis uh, found their way to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the US, Brazil, Chile, Paraguay, uh, Argentina, several Arab countries, the Soviet Union, uh, etc. Uh, we have to try and look at specific groups within this uh, immigration uh, uh, from uh, Germany. Uh, many countries were very much interested in scientists, engineers, technicians uh, who had gained their experience uh, uh, during the Third Reich. Uh, the U.S. tried to recruit many of them. The Soviet Union did its best to recruit some of them. And Peron was eager to recruit them as well in order to help in his programs for the uh, development and modernization of uh, Argentina. Uh, then you had uh, many who fled Germany due to various reasons, but they weren't Nazi war criminal. Uh, it's a judicial category, uh, being a Nazi uh, war criminal. Uh, uh, were they welcomed in Argentina? Uh, yes, 
but they did not come uh, uh, as part of uh, or as a result of a systematic policy on the part of the uh, Argentine government. Uh, but they were allowed in very often under false identities with false uh, names and false documents. Uh, and uh, uh, in many cases, they remained on the margins of Argentine life. Uh, uh, mostly they lived uh, among other German uh, uh, immigrants and tried to maintain uh, a low profile. Uh, however, there were several dozens of uh, world criminals who made their way to uh, uh, Argentina. The most notorious, the most infamous were uh, Adolf Eichmann, uh, Josef Mengele, um, Klaus Barbie stayed uh, for some time in Argentina before moving to uh, Bolivia, uh, and there were obviously uh, uh, others. Um, if we look uh, at the uh, story of Adolf Eichmann, for example, he entered Argentina under a false name. Ricardo Clement, and it's not that he was welcomed by uh, authorities. It's not that uh, uh, anyone in the Argentine government arranged for him to have a decent job, a decent housing, or something like uh, uh, that. When the agents of the uh, Mossad arrived in Argentina in 1960, uh, and start watching the house where he lived, they could hardly believe it. The man who was so powerful in Europe during World War II, the man who played such an important role in the extermination of European Jewry, was living in a very modest, almost poor house uh, in the suburbs of uh, uh, Buenos Aires. So the myth about Peron organizing a kind of a mass immigration of Nazis to Argentina and extending them a helping hand once they were in Buenos Aires or any other part of uh, uh, the country uh, is baseless. It's true that too many uh, uh, Nazi war criminals entered, entered Argentina. But as I said, many entered uh, other countries uh, and uh, many Latin American countries were unwilling later on to extradite these people, uh, uh, be it to Germany, France, or, or any other uh, European country. And in this respect, uh, a non-Peronist government uh, in Argentina uh, took the same uh, uh, position. Uh, so in a way, I feel that putting all the blame on Peron and the Peronist movement is a kind of a way for many Argentine not to take responsibility for the country's position. Because if it was only Peron and uh, the Peronist movement, then supposedly uh, 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 they have no responsibility at all. But these uh, uh, war criminals lived among them for many years, long after Peron was oust ousted from power. Uh, uh, um, 
several governments uh, in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, uh, civilian government or military governments, uh, were not willing to extradite these uh, uh, war criminals. So, uh, yes, Argentina still uh, has a, a debt here uh, to pay. It still has to recognize its responsibility for allowing uh, uh, so many Nazis uh, uh, to live among them, uh, putting all the blame on uh, Peron and Peronism, who happened to be in power at the end of uh, World War II, seems to me uh, a bit problematic. Can you describe the vicissitudes of U.S.-Argentine relations during World War II? This is a very interesting story, because at the beginning of the war, Argentina approached the U.S. about a possible declaration of support for Great Britain and France. But at the time, the Roosevelt administration was not willing to commit itself to such a declaration. Uh, the U.S. declared its neutrality from the very first and was not willing to involve uh, uh, itself in the war in uh, Europe. Uh, still, uh, isolationist uh, ideas were uh, dominant in uh, American uh, society. So, uh, Argentina's uh, suggestion uh, did not prosper. Uh, however, things changed dramatically following the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in December 1941. Uh, and then the U.S. decided to enter the war, and it expected all Latin American republics to uh, support it. Uh, and uh, many Argentine felt uncomfortable. I mean, it was only uh, uh, a couple of years ago that we suggested uh, uh, at least a moral, if not a political or military support of Great Britain and France. And you said, no, now that things changed for you, do we have automatically to support your policies? Um, many uh, Latin, American, Latin American countries followed the U.S. order, if you'd like, and Argentina said, no, we will uh, remain neutral uh, during this war. Four different Argentine presidents, two civilians and two uh, military presidents, uh, decided to maintain uh, their country's uh, neutrality. And in Washington, they could not accept it, they could not understand this stubborn Argentine uh, uh, policy of neutrality. Now, one has to understand that uh, um, the British wanted Argentina to maintain its neutrality, while the U.S. was putting pressure on Argentina to declare war on the Axis powers, uh, the British told the Argentine, please remain neutral. We need uh, to make sure that your ships with the uh, uh, beef and uh, wheat and other cereals uh, would continue the way from Argentine ports to British ports. 
the British population desperately needs these agricultural products. If Argentina would declare war on Germany, German submarines might torpedo these ships on the way from South America to a British port. So there was not there was no one common policy of the US and the UK as far as Argentine neutrality was concerned. Uh, in many ways, it was Argentine neutrality which allowed it to support uh, 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 the British in the uh, struggle against Nazi uh, aggression. Again, in Washington, they were not willing to accept such a, a position. And in many ways, once uh, the war ended, the Americans decided to punish, quote-unquote, Argentina for its stubborn policy of uh, neutrality. Therefore, Peron had to face a hostile American uh, attitude, and uh, he tried to uh, uh, do uh, um, any, any, any possible uh, effort in order to convince uh, the Americans that his government was not fascist, that Argentine neutrality did not mean support of the Axis uh, 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 powers, and cultivating uh, close ties with Jewish Argentines and with the new Jewish states was one of the ways uh, 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 or one of the instruments that Peron tried to use in order to better its relations with the United States. Who was Abraham Krislavin? Can you tell us about him? There were very few Jewish Argentines in political positions uh, in Argentina up until the mid-1940s. Uh, when Peron came to power, uh, he enjoyed the support of the two most important uh, trade unions in Argentina. Uh, one of them was the union of um, the uh, rail workers, uh, the so-called Union Ferroviaria, and the other was the Union of Commercial Workers, uh, El Sindicato de los Empleados de Comercio. Now, uh, the uh, uh, Rail Workers Union had a secretary general uh, who was Jewish, Rafael Kogan, and he put his influence so that uh, the union uh, support Peron. And the uh, leader of the uh, uh, commercial employees uh, was married to a Jewish woman. And one of his closest uh, aides uh, was a, a Jewish Argentine by the name of Abraham Krislavin. So once Peron came to power, he nominated the head of the uh, Union of Commercial Employees as the Minister of Interior, one of the most important political jobs in Argentina. And this person nominated Avram Krislavid as the number two in the Ministry of Interior. It was the most important um, political uh, 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 position for a Jewish Argentine uh, until this uh, uh, moment, and Krislavin was very 
important in uh, creating, in establishing the Jewish section of the uh, Peronist Party, uh, which served uh, uh, the government purposes, but which also allowed Jewish Argentine to lobby uh, uh, the government in order to uh, adopt measures beneficial uh, to the uh, Jewish community. Can you describe the politics and diplomacy surrounding Argentina's recognition of the state of Israel? When uh, the uh, <clears throat> United Nations uh, started debating the uh, Palestine question, uh, and when uh, diplomats were discussing the possibility of a partition plan which would allow the establishment of a Jewish state in uh, Palestine, Argentina uh, did not have a clear position. Peron was talking constantly at the time about the independent foreign policy of uh, Argentina, a foreign policy which does not follow the dictates of either the United States or the Soviet Union. Uh, and he was looking for a, a different uh, issues in order to, ship, to show how independent was uh, Argentine uh, uh, foreign policy. Peron also tried to take into account the fact that his country had a large and important Jewish community, but also a large and important Arab community made of uh, Middle Eastern immigrants who had uh, come to Argentina uh, from the late 19th century up till the 1930s. At the same time, since the Peronist uh, uh, movement was very heterogeneous, uh, you could find among uh, a Peronist some who were philo-Semites and pro-Zionists, and some who were anti-Semites and anti-Zionists. Uh, and therefore, was the uh, 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 proposal for the partition of Palestine came to vote, Argentina decided to abstain. In this way, uh, Peron was hoping not to upset Jewish Argentines or Arab Argentines, not to upset uh, 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 the British who, was, who were about to leave uh, uh, Palestine, uh, uh, and supposedly to maintain an independent uh, position. The Soviets supported the partition of Palestine. Uh, the Americans were not very enthusiastic about it, but at the end supported it as well. So he decided to, me, uh, to, to abstain in this vote. However, once uh, uh, Israel was established in mid-1948, uh, uh, Peron and Argentina decided to recognize the new state, and Argentina was the first Latin American country to establish uh, an embassy uh, in, in Israel. Uh, interestingly enough, Peron decided to uh, uh, nominate a Jewish Argentine, uh, not a career diplomat, but a, a Jewish Argentine uh, who supported uh, Peronism as the first Argentine ambassador uh, to Israel. At the time, most countries, including the United States, 
preferred to avoid nominating a, 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 a Jew to such a position, supposedly because he might have a, a loyalty problem, let's say, a, a, because of a supposed dual, dual identity. But Peron was not a, a hesitant about it and decided to nominate a Jewish Argentine as a, the first ambassador. And in fact, he also he was about to nominate a Jewish Argentine also as the second a, a, a ambassador of Argentina and Israel, but by then his regime was ousted, ousted in a military uh, uh, coup d'etat. During his years in power, uh, Peron cultivated a very strong, uh, uh, very close relations with uh, the state of Israel. In 1950, for example, uh, the two countries signed a, a commercial agreement. Uh, agreement which was uh, of much importance to the uh, recently established uh, state of Israel. Uh, at the time, uh, the uh, economic uh, situation in Israel uh, was very problematic. Israel needed any possible uh, uh, support, any possible uh, help. It wasn't that important for Argentina, but for political reasons, Peron decided to sign such an agreement. Uh, with uh, uh, Israel. There were very many visits of uh, Argentine politicians and dignitaries in, in uh, the young state of Israel, and many leading Israelis went on a visit to Argentina during the uh, Peron regime. Uh, the first Israeli foreign minister, Moshe Sharet, visited uh, Argentina and stood uh, 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 in the balcony of the presidential palace next to a, a Peron in a political uh, a, a meeting uh, held there. A, a Golda Meir was at the time uh, the labor minister of the Israeli government, went to Argentina and met Evita Peron, Eva Duarte de Peron, and very many other Israeli politicians uh, and uh, 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 dignitaries did so. So relations were were excellent in very many ways. If one reads the memoir of the first Israeli ambassador to uh, Argentina, uh, Jacob Tzu, he or she will uh, 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 find uh, uh, um, very many paragraphs uh, uh, talking about the excellent relations between uh, between the two countries. Uh, at any rate, Argentina and Israel uh, uh, have maintained a very close bilateral relations all along the years. Uh, under Peronist or non-Peronist governments, uh, uh, under civilian or military uh, regimes, uh, um, from 1949 until this uh, very day, uh, uh, three Argentine presidents have visited uh, uh, Israel so far. Two of them were Peronist presidents, Carlos Menem in the 1990s and uh, Alberto Fernandez uh, four years ago. And the third one to visit Israel was the current president, uh, Javier Minei, who came to Israel 
to show his support uh, uh, of Israel during these uh, difficult times to uh, make it clear that Israel had the right to uh, defend itself, uh, to uh, meet with uh, uh, families of hostages, among them several uh, uh, Argentine Israelis, uh, who are also Argentine citizens. Um, so relations uh, between Argentina and Israel have been very good uh, since the late 40s when Peron was Argentina's president until uh, this very day. As we bring this dialogue to a close, can you tell us about what you have worked on since completing this book? What are you working on now? Can you tell us about any subsequent research that you've been involved in? So uh, since the publication of this uh, book, uh, uh, Populism and uh, Ethnicity, um, I, uh, uh, I have published another book devoted to uh, Jewish self-defense groups in South America following the uh, uh, kidnapping of uh, a Nazi war criminal uh, Adolf Eichmann. Uh, as a result of this kidnapping, uh, there was a wave of violent anti-Semitism, and many Jewish youngsters decided to uh, organize themselves in groups of uh, self-defense, uh, not just to uh, guard Jewish institutions, Jewish uh, temples, uh, uh, Jewish schools, but also to teach these anti-Semitic thugs, thugs uh, a lesson. Uh, so this book was recently published in English, in Spanish, and in Hebrew. Uh, and at the moment, I'm completing a biography of a Jewish-Spanish leader who played an important role in the renovation of Jewish life in Spain after the end of World War II during the Franco dictatorship. And I'm at the beginning of another uh, book project devoted to uh, Jewish volunteers who left Palestine uh, to fight in the Spanish Civil War. Uh, there was a fairly large number, if one takes into account the small Jewish community of, of Palestine in the mid-1930s, so there was a fairly uh, a large number of volunteers who left Palestine in order to uh, help the Spanish Republic fight against the nationalist rebellion headed by General Francisco Franco and supported by Nazi Germany and fascist Italy. That sounds amazing. Thank you. As we end today, I'd like to convey my utmost gratitude to you, Ra'anan, for your time, thoughtfulness, eloquence, generosity, and erudition during the course of our conversation today. Thank you very much, Ali. As we bring today's dialogue to a close, I'm your host on the new Books in Jewish Studies podcast, Ari Barbalat. Today, I've been in dialogue with Dr. Ra'anan Rayin. We have been discussing his newly published book, Populism and Ethnicity, Peronism and the Jews of Argentina, published in Kingston and Montreal, by McGill Queen's University Press 2020. Dr. Ra'anan Rain is the Elias Soraski Chair of Latin American and Spanish History at Tel Aviv University. He is the former president 
of the Latin American Jewish Studies Association and the former vice president of Tel Aviv University. Rain is the author of numerous books and articles. The Argentine government awarded him the title of commander in the Order of the Liberator San Martin for his contribution to Argentine culture. The Spanish king awarded him the title of commander in the Order of the Civil Merit. Thank you wholeheartedly. Okay. Thanks a lot. I hope it went well. <laughs>